Hello and welcome to another episode of Kindling the Hearth Fire. Today is the 29th of October, a couple days before Samhain on the 31st, or sometimes on the November 1st, I think is the technical date. I um, want to welcome you to another episode of this podcast. And before we get started, we're doing a little bit of housekeeping. One, introducing this as a Patreon-supported podcast, and we're introducing a sliding scale on Patreon, which means if you want to support the podcast for as little as $1 a month, you get access to everything on the page, whether it be a one-time donation or just a monthly subscription. And if you want to donate more, that's perfectly fine. Um, everything goes to the podcast and helps me keep the lights on so I can continue producing this podcast. Pays for gas, pays for that sort of thing, just to keep the podcast going and keep it producing. So if you're interested, we are on Patreon. Look us up on Kindling the Hearthfire. And with your subscription, you get access to video versions of the podcast, which are unedited versions of the podcast. You get to see me be a very much of a goofball and get an idea of just how much editing goes towards this podcast. And being that I'm the only one producing this podcast, it's a lot of editing. But anyway, Patreon supported podcast, go on there if you like. And if you don't, that's perfectly fine. Just listen to us on any podcast streaming thing you would like. And let's see. And we are now on a um, another I don't um, a podcast outlet I believe is what I would call it. It's called Wisdom, and I've been doing online mini little episodes of like ten. Last one was forty five minutes of me just gibbering gibbering about um, knitting. <laughs> that is. Um, this podcast in general is more about, um, public practice, whereas the episodes on wisdom are more personal. Let's put it that way. And we're also on YouTube as well. Um, I haven't put anything on YouTube in a while yet, but I, what the, the podcast is available there as well. And another thing I'm introducing is, well, not introducing, but being a little bit more, active with the prayer list. And what the prayer list is, is a group both on Facebook and also just on the podcast that if you need have a prayer or you need some good thoughts sent somewhere or good energy sent somewhere, um, put your name in, name in there, um, either by emailing me through kindlingthehearthfire at gmail.com or posting on the page on Facebook. Now, it's a, <clears throat> I don't know what to say, it's not, it's a private group so that um, I can protect people's privacy and people can be able to post there and not, not have all the information out there and everything. So, if you want to look us up on Facebook, we do have a page on Facebook that is connected to the podcast page as well. So, if you've got a prayer that you would like posted on there, um, let me know and... I will put you in the runnings, um, runnings, what am I saying? Uh, I will put you in a list and either I will mention the prayer list on the, on the podcast or 
on the group itself on Facebook. And I also have a, a private altar, personal altar of my own. And on a mostly weekly basis, I do pray to that and give offerings and things of that nature. So that's an option there. And that's options there. And that seems to be about all the housekeeping that we need to do at this point. The prayer list that I have on YouTube, there's wisdom and the Patreon sliding scale. We're good. Okay, so moving on to the next section. So the next section we're going to be discussing is a brief synopsis, um, very brief, of a deity of the, this particular occasion, very much associated with this time of year, um, and a very complicated deity. Very, very complicated, as are most Irish deities, if I can be perfectly honest. Um, and the particular I could talk, I swear. Let's try this again. So this next section is the deity for this episode that we're going to be talking about. As I said in the previous episode, is going to be the Morgan. And depending on the translation you get or how it's spelled or where the fada is placed in the name, her name or their name, depending on what's in, where you're finding it and what translation you're taking it from, it can either mean Shadow Queen, Phantom Queen, or Queen of the Dead, that sort of thing. Depending on how it's spelled and what's in there, it can mean many things, many of those different things. Alright, so this next section, we're going to be talking about a deity, and the deity of this particular occasion is going to be the Morrigan. They are a very complicated deity, and that's putting it lightly. Um, depending on the translation you're looking for or looking at, and the spelling and where you're getting your translations from, the name, the Morgan, can either be a title or it can be a personal name for a single entity, being deity. Um, it's both in many translations of Irish lore. So if you're looking at the lore, you're not going to get any clarification there. So it can be their title or a personal name for, for a deity or the title for a group of deities. Um, sometimes they're attributed as sisters. and But what I can say about that this particular deity is that they are very much associated with battle, death, Samhain, ancestors, and um, the gathering of the dead after, after a battle, that sort of thing. And she's very much a, a, a battle deity. And she's also a shapeshifter. Um, one of the things that she does trans transform into is, um, the one that comes to mind is actually a red heifer or a red cow. She's also been known to, I believe, a snake is one of them. In a number of other um, um, places, she's, gosh, what else has she transformed into? Also a crow, um, several different transformations. And most of the ones that I know of are actually found when she's interacting with Ku Cullen in the um, Tain when she's prophesying about his death and offering her service to help him in battle and that sort of thing. 
and that whole interaction between them is a fairly interesting one where she's prophesying about his death and offers him a chance to get out of it and basically he tells her to show off and she's like okay well fine i'm 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 going to make sure that you die in battle and that kind of thing. It's an odd interaction, depending on even depending on your translation. But there's an inter if you want to look at the Tain and look at translations from it, um, it's a very interesting interaction. And there's a lot of things about her that are involved there. There's also the the first and second battle of Moitira. If you want to look over there, um, there's many mentions of her in the Tain, the Battle of Mortira. She is the, it's alluded to, never explicitly stated, but it is alluded to and pretty fairly clear actually in the lore that she is the wife of the Dagda. And she's definitely involved in battle and offering her services in battle to the Tuatha Dé Danann. And very, very complicated deity, very ancient deity. Um, she is associated with war, battle, and death, certainly, but also with victory, strategy, magic, and possibly sovereignty. Although not everyone agrees with her as a sovereignty goddess, which is a common theme with most most Irish deities. Um, if you're looking at the lore, there's some... some I can't talk today. There's definitely some associations with that, but. Mm -hmm. She incites warriors to fight and also terrifies those she has set herself against. Her strongest associations are clearly with warfare and also with fate, so that some people have connected her to the Norse Valkyries. Um, modern pagans choose to honor the Morgan in a wide variety of reasons, including her relation to prophecy, magic, and success. Um, some pagans in the military choose to connect her due to her mythic association with water. With water. Yeah, that, that's an association for you. With war, battle, and warriors, um, which is sometimes relate to her for her magical skill. Offerings to the Morgan can include milk, cream, butter, weapons, whiskey, and some people do chose, choose to offer her blood, although that can be somewhat controversial. Okay, and I will give you a list of sources if you want to dig a little bit deeper into the research. Once again, this is just a little short little preview. There's lots of stories about this deity and lots of resources you can look for. And I will include some of them in the show notes if you want to take a look and find out more. And if you want a brief synopsis, one place to start would be Pagan Portals, um, Gods and Goddesses of Ireland by Morgan Daimler, I believe. Let me take a quick look. Uh, yeah, Morgan Daimler wrote this, A Guide to Irish 80s, yes. If you want a quick look, it's like one or two pages that she lists in there. And gives you a whole bunch of sources in the bibliography and at the end of the um, Morgan's section. Um, good book to pick up if you want a brief description of most Irish deities. Or at least the ones that you probably have heard of. Alright, so on to the next section. 
Okay, so the next section is going to be a book review. And this time around, I'm actually going to be moving into the fiction section of the genre. Um, the, fiction, the fiction genre. And this is a, a fairly recent book, um, fairly recent for me anyways. Um, I found it in the library. I'd heard about it before, but I was a little bit reticent to read it because I had just gotten, I was so over the, um, the Twilight fad. I didn't like the books. I didn't like the movies. I thought they were crap. But anyway, uh, moving on. I was a little resonant about this particular book because it, because I was looking at the show and it looked a little bit too similar, but I went ahead and picked up the book and it's called A Discovery of Wishes in case you haven't heard about, heard of it. Let me see if I can draw up the author because of course I have that right in front of me, of course. Um, but it's right here on my Kindle anyway, so. So, A Discovery of Witches. Let's see. It's Deborah Harkness. That's that's who it is. So, this is the first of a trilogy. Um, I'm getting into the second book at this point. I'm not liking it as much as the first, but the first was actually a really good, really good book in my estimation. I was, it was a very quick read. Um, I'm a bit of a history buff, and I loved all the little snippets of history that was that was inserted into there. The story was good. And I thought that the romance was believable to a certain extent. Um, the only thing I didn't like about it was the common trope of making witches into their own species or race. I have issues with that on a personal level, but that's pretty much the only qualm I have with it. It was very complicated. Um, Plot, and I like complicated plots. Thank you. And it was a great read. Um, it was very fun. Something I didn't really have to take that seriously. I didn't have to go get my history books out to find out all the all little terminologies and things like that. It was it was actually a really great quick read. And I liked the characters. They were really fleshed out, and the plot was like I said very complicated. And I really love complicated plots. And the romance was believable. So I definitely would recommend this book if you want to want a quick read that has a little bit of history to it, has a little bit of romance, but isn't too complex. Well, I won't say it's too complicated, but it's enough to keep your interest. Definitely, um, I love the book, and I would definitely recommend it to anybody who is a fan of those types of books, either paranormal romance or historical romance, that type of thing. It's a little bit of both uh, for anybody who would like to pick one up. Okay, so it's it's not a new book. I'm still reading the second one, and I'll be moving on to the third one. The world that she creates is phenomenal. I really love it. I could go on and on about all the nice things about this book, but it should be available in pretty much any book seller that you have in the area. Um, I picked my copy up at the library because I really didn't want to spend money on it because I didn't know if I'd like it, but I would say that it would probably be worth purchasing the book personally um, if I had the room space for it at this point. 
But yeah, it is A Discovery of Witches. It is a very good fictional book. Um, it's a very quick read. And I would definitely recommend it for anybody who's interested in those particular genres. Okay. And our next section is, once again, another recommendation, a recommendation of three podcasts. And the first one I want to recommend is the Blind Boy podcast. It is a bit of a ramble. The whole podcast is a bit of a ramble. Um, he also has a live podcast show. He's from Ireland. He's in Ireland doing his podcast and everything. So it's got a lot of um, history of Ireland, a lot of um, not just history, but um, modern things that are going on in Ireland. So if you want a broad picture of modern as well as ancient or historical Ireland, Blind Boy Podcast is definitely something I would recommend. It's a lot of fun. Um, and he's got several, several hundred, no, it's like, I think a couple hundred episodes out at this point. Um, I was told that he was recommended that you start at the beginning. And being the rebel I am, I did not. And um, I was able to, to get it. But I did eventually go back to the first first couple podcasts episodes and went through it line by line and you get a lot more in-depth picture of the podcast that way but you can just start today on the latest podcast and keep going if you like uh, but if you want some context go to the beginning if you if you want somebody to listen to for a very long time and you want context um, it kind of reminds me of welcome to night Vale in that way yeah, go to the beginning of, of um, um, Heading to Night Vale, and that's the way to go with that podcast or that show, and this is very similar, but you can start at the latest um, podcast, so I definitely would recommend it, and I found it on Spotify, but it's pretty much, pretty much everywhere at this point, anywhere you can get a podcast from, this is available there, just look up Blind Boy Podcast. Blind Boy is one word. Um, and the second podcast I want to recommend is We the Irish. And it's a short little podcast. It's about maybe 20, 30 minutes long at, at most. Um, I think most of them actually range in more of the 20 minute mark. And once again, this is an Irish podcast and it takes stories from Irish history, either modern or ancient and tells the story of a person um, in context of Ireland. Um, it's really short, it's really quick, and if you want a better um, grasp of Irish politics, Irish anything Irish anyway, um, Irish culture, that's the word I was looking for, Irish culture, um, this is another great uh, way to do that. And it's really short, it's very quick, and I love the music. He actually produces the music on his sh on the show. Um, he has a team that helps him with the editing, I believe, but some of it is edited by himself, and the music is created by himself sometimes as well. Um, but it's a great short little podcast, and I believe they update it weekly. And it's called We the Irish, and it's a really great show. Okay, and the third is a content creator. She is called Chloe Taylor. And 
see. Let me see. Um, let me um, bring up her. No, I don't want to look at that. Um, <laughs> let's see. Podcasts and shows. Um, her show is called Divine Authenticity. She's also on um, YouTube, but if you want more um, content, it's on her podcast as well. And I like a lot of what she has to say. And she's also very down to earth and real while being in the magical community as well. So if you're looking for something a little uplifting, but down to earth and real, um, I would definitely recommend anything that she puts together. She also does tarot readings as well. Um, she's very much into that sort of thing on YouTube. Take a look there. But that's one thing I one other podcast I would recommend. I've been listening to her for a bit, and I just discovered the podcast several weeks ago. I've been watching her tarot card readings on YouTube beforehand, and I randomly discovered her podcast um, because she mentioned it on her tarot reading um, video and said, hey, guess what? I have a podcast, in case you didn't know. And um, I'm like, oh, you've got a podcast. Uh, let's check that out. And I went in there and I liked what I heard. And she's very down to earth, got lots of good advice, and also very upbeat as well. So those are my three recommendations for podcasts that I'm listening to. And I would definitely recommend people to listen to as well. So this next section is going to be an apple pie recipe. It's... There are tons of apple pie recipes out there. I don't, um, I'm not going to go with the Pillsbury one. Um, I'm going to the one that is called the Little Spoon Farm. It's called Easy Apple Pie. Um, <laughs> because it's easy. And um, Easy Apple Pie, if it's a good one, is the best one to do. And... There's not a lot in this recipe, which makes it far less complicated than you would think. Basically, the recipe calls for you get pie crust, and you get those in most supermarkets. You need apples, granulated sugar, brown sugar, flour, cinnamon, nutmeg, lemon, and egg. I'm going to link a po post a link to the recipe itself on the show notes. So if you miss anything, there you go. And you're going to need this equipment for this particular pie. And they're fairly basic. Um, you need a 9-inch pie plate, of course, a rolling pin, or pretty much anything that's in a conical shape that can roll and has weight to it. My mother had a marble version of it. You don't need a marble one, but it's always nice because it has that heft and makes it so much easier to roll things out like dough. Anyway, so parchment paper, a whisk, spatula, um, pie weights or dried beans, uh, a pie shield or foil, wanna use that, mixing bowls, measuring cups, and spoons. Okay, so part of the reason why I'm picking this recipe is it does talk about the fact that um, the apples you put in your apple pie are important. Um, my particular preference is the same ones that my mother actually liked, which are pippins, 
which are hard to find. Um, and I usually go to, to when I actually can go anywhere, um, I go up to Apple Hill, which is a couple hour drive, um, but it's a consolidation of a lot of apple farms and you can buy apples from them directly. And they know they're apples and I asked for Pippins and they're like, oh, we don't have Pippins, but this one is similar. Um, she swore by them. She hated Granny Smith apples. If you like Granny Smith apples, you can use them as much as you like. But according to my mother, they were the, the devil, devil's apple. She hated them. She really, really hated them. Um, she could go on for hours how much she hated them. I can, I'm hearing her now just, just talking about it because I had the nerve to ask about them. <laughs> okay, there are many apple varieties, so whichever ones you want um, for the taste you're looking for, here are some options that you could use. Uh, Granny Smith, Honey Crisp, um, Jazz, Golden Delicious, John of Gold, and Pink Lady. They are, what you want in an apple isn't just for the taste. Um, the taste is important, but mostly you want an apple that can survive being in the, long, in the oven for long periods of time without breaking down and turning into mush. Because you kind of want to, when you're biting into that, that apple pie, you don't want mush. You want a little bit of a crunch when you're coming down with, the, with that apple. So you want an apple that can withstand being in the oven. And you can make your own crusts as well, but they mostly do that. Um, my mother couldn't, even my, my mother couldn't get a good piece and crust. She would just buy hers in supermarkets and they work just fine. Um, my great-grandmother, though, she could make a crust. She could also make biscuits and gravy, which were, which were to die for, but she never told anyone her recipe either, and my mother was never ever able to replicate it, so store-bought is what we got, and that was just fine. They still loved her apple pie. Um, to make apple pie from scratch. Basically, pie, apple pie is a lot, is a lot of work you're doing from scratch. First you need to both peel and core all the apples. And peel core and slice the apples in a large mixing bowl you gently toss the apple slices granulated sugar light brown sugar flour nutmeg lemon zest and lemon juice until well combined and you set that aside then you go to the oven place the oven rack in the center position and preheat your oven to 400 degrees fahrenheit um, Remove the disc of pie crust from the fridge, whichever kind of pie crust you got, and let set at room temperature for five, 10 minutes. They're usually from the freezer, so they need to unthaw a little. On a lightly floured surface, roll one of the discs into a 12 inch circle. That is one eighth of an inch thick. Depending on your rolling pill and the weight you're gonna use, it's gonna be easier or more difficult, depending on it. Use lots of flour to make sure it doesn't stick to either the surface it's on or the rolling pin itself. Place the crust into the bottom of a deep dish pie plate. Then you spoon the apple pie filling into the crust, discarding any liquid at the bottom of the mixing bowl. 
spread the apple slices evenly. On a lightly floured surface, roll the second disc of pie dough into another 12 inch circle that is once again, one eighth of an inch thick and place the crust over the pie filling. Basically you're making crust at the bottom, crust in the top. And using a sharp knife, knife, bleh, I can talk, I swear. Using a sharp knife, you trim the excess dough from around the edges of the pie plate. And using your fingers, you can pull the bottom and top pie crust up and slightly away from the edge of the pie dish and pinch them together. Uh, there are many ways you can do this. One they mentioned in the recipe is you fold the edge under itself and press down to seal the edge in place. They've got pictures, take a look at it, see if you can figure out what the heck they're, they're doing. This isn't the type of crust that I would make, but you do what you know. Um, fold the edge under itself and press down to seal the edge in place. Rotate pie a quarter turn and repeat until all the edges are neatly tucked in. You need a firm seal on it. That's what you're looking for. My mother used to take, was well, she would make it fancy. She would use a fork and piece it together and turn it into a really fancy looking crust. Um, she'd been doing this for like 20 some odd years. So if you can't do fancy, just make sure you have a good, good seal around the pie crust. Um, you place the pie dish onto a baking sheet in order to catch all the drippings that have come out of this pie and gently brush the surface of the dough with the egg wash and sprinkle sanding sugar on top. Use a sharp knife to cut vents in the crust. That's very a very important step because the as the heat comes up into the pile, it will expand the crust and if there's no escape, the pie crust will explode. And um, I know this from personal experience and it can make a hell of a mess in your oven because it is caramelized sugar that you'll be cleaning out of your oven. So cut slits in your pie crust, please, to avoid said cleanup. That was a lovely Christmas. Um, in order to protect the edges of the pie from over browning, use a long strip of aluminum foil, about 38 inches long, just enough to make a round around the pie crust. And by folding it in half lengthwise and by then folding it in half again, lengthwise, wrap it around the edge of the pie plate and over the edges of the crust. This is referred to as a pie shield. You can also buy them in cooking stores if you, if you want to get a professional looking one, but for them works just fine. Personally, I found no issue with just having it be foil. A strip of foil around the edges of the pie keeps them from over browning while baking. It works. I don't know why. I have no idea about the science behind it, but it does work. So here you go and you bake the pie 400 degrees for 25 minutes. After that 25 minutes, you remove the pie shield. Then you lower the oven temperature to 375 and bake an additional 30 to 35 minutes. You'll know the pie is done when the crust is a lovely golden brown and the juice is bubbling up the size of the pan. And the pie can be made up to two days ahead of time and stored loosely covered at room temperature covered in the refrigerator up to five days but i i don't know anybody that would just want a pie 
sitting in the fridge and I would eat it within the five day period and everybody would be very, very sad to find out there's no pie in the fridge because no. Anyway, but um, I'm not going to be leaving that pie in the fridge. Sorry, I'm just going to be eating it. That's just me. Um, no shame to anyone who's able to leave, leave it in the fridge. Um, because when you're making it, especially during the holidays, um, making it beforehand actually makes everything else easier. So I definitely, definitely can see why you would do that, but I don't have the self-control to do that. I'm sorry. I'm not apologizing for it. Really, I'm not. I will enjoy my pie. You better make two. So I have that one pie and then you have the other one for company. That's just how that was going to work. All right. So, on to the next section of the podcast, which is going to be the calendar. Another couple of, um, let's see, there's going to be the next couple of months, what's going on in the Paganosphere, and see if there's any events in your neighborhood that you want to join in on. So, what's coming up in the next calendar month or two is we've got the morning dedicant reading group kind of get together um basically they read a bit of a um dedicant of a book that is on the dedicant list um so if you're doing the reading for the dedicant path um that's a really great thing to get involved in and starting on november 1st we have the prayer a day event begins and as the name implies you basically write a prayer for each day of the month doesn't matter what kind of prayer it is doesn't matter how long it is it's just a prayer day kind of like um NaNoWriMo except it's prayers and you can find the group on Facebook if you want to take a look at some of the prayers that are being listed in and get inspiration that that type of thing all right what's coming up in this next month next month this seems to be pretty low-key not not a lot going on in the way of rituals and things of that nature November, December, not a lot of um, things that are going on. So yes, we have the morning dedicant reading on Mondays and you have IRC chats, um, which are a weekly thing and they have the weekly online ADF rituals. We have, um, let's see dedicated path discussion group what the heck is that join others working on their dp online if you have questions or want to discuss the dp come hang out that's another thing that's going on there it's a weekly kind of thing we have the adf mother road meeting which is on the 24th of november coming up and oakley submissions are due december 1st yeah, not a lot going on, but there are lots of things on the calendar, on the ADF event schedule calendar. If you want to take a look there, it's on the 
ADF website if you want to take a look down there. There's not a lot of um, events that are happening at the moment. Um, this time last year, yeah, there's no law cooked in there. Um, not sure what that's going on with, um, let's log in here, see if I see anything else that pops up. Um, festival season is very much over at this point. There's not a lot going on. I think the last festival that I'm aware of was in August. Mm-hmm. Let's go back here. Date. Static and Power Discussion Group, Morning Beckon, Cleaning Work on more. Yeah, there's not a lot going on. <laughs> um, but if you have any other events you would like to see on this particular podcast, let me know. I've had several submissions. Um, I do post about them on the group on Facebook as well. So if you have anything you would like to add, anything I've missed, and there's probably something I've missed, um, throw me an email at kindlingtheheartfire at gmail.com. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. I hope everyone is going to be celebrating this season in their own special way and has a great time doing so. Um, go with it at this point. Thank you everyone for listening. If you would like to continue supporting the podcast, once again, we are on Patreon and go ahead, do it. Can't talk today. Okay. That's the end of our show this time around. Our next podcast will be coming out. Let's see. Let me pick a date randomly. No, not randomly. Um, it's going to be in November, the end of November, which is the 30th of November. That's generally where I like to put my podcast is at the end of the month. So next one is going to be the end of November on the 30th. So thank you guys for listening and putting up with me. Um, oh, one, one other thing I wanted to add to this is that I am actually starting up nighttime reading hours. And that will be starting up November, no, not November, October 31st on Halloween, which is a Monday. And we will be doing that, let's see, what days will we be doing that? Monday, it's, it's five days a week. So um, we'll be starting that on the 31st of October. Let me just check real quick on the Facebook because I just recently posted about it and I can't remember anything for more than five minutes. So <sighs> I can't talk today. Okay, where is it? Facebook has made it so difficult to find anything. I know this does not need to be recorded, I swear. And I'll be editing and posting this tomorrow. So, have at it at this point. Um, let's see, groups. Oh, Killing the Hearthfire, not the prayer list, but the actual podcast. 
Um, let's see, I posted on here, what time should the nighttime reading hour be at? It's a um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday nights. And the consensus at this point is going to be 8 p.m. on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and Saturday. So that's when I'm going to be starting the nighttime reading hours. And each day is going to have its own theme. And I'm looking for books at this point to actually start reading. So let's see, how many books is this? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So four different books that I will be reading or reading from at the very least, depending on what type of book they are. But that's going to be starting on the 31st um, of this month. So look out for that, and I'll be seeing you again on the 30th of next month, November 30th. So talk to you later. Have a great day, and thanks for listening, and may we continue to pray with a good fire. Talk.